heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today. It is Monday morning, the 6th of June. A very good morning to everybody listening to us through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. A very good morning to you. So much to get through this morning. Ann Baker will join us from the Isaac Regional Council. We'll also catch up with Mark Harvey Sutton from the live export industry. We'll talk with Josie Angus and much, much more. Uh, obviously, over the weekend, lots going on. Not a lot of rugby league. The Reds got beaten. We'll try and recap that this week. Uh, Canberra had a good win yesterday, and poor George Cambosis. Well, he had a world title fight in Melbourne, but it just didn't work out for him. Uh, on the other front, um, Schoolboy Rugby Union is alive and well, as so is Regional Rugby Union. So plenty of sport going on and Regional Rugby League as well. Let's get into it, though. Ann Baker, Isaac Regional Council Mayor. She joins us next. This is Rural Queensland Today. You're with Ben Dobbin on the Resonate Broadcast Network. On Rural Queensland Today across the Resonate Broadcast Network, very lucky to have Isaac Regional Council Mayor Anne Baker joining us this morning. Anne, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Ben. Yeah, I'm well. How are you? Really well. Um, coal prices are at a record high. Royalty payments to state coppers are forecast to grow by billions and yet the coal communities that do all this work, that create all this wealth, are struggling. These towns, and we've talked about this on countless occasions, are on their knees because although the royalties are paid to the government, they do not put back into the communities that um, they receive it from. Yeah, well, we're looking we're looking down the down the road of Metcoal with a projection of exceeding a hundred billion dollars wow. this financial year. So it's quite extraordinary project, projection. Here in Isaac, we've got over 60% of our workforce which are attributed to the mining sector. We produce over 54% of Queensland's coal and we export, export a, full, a third of Australia's met coal. Gee so, whiz. You know, yeah. We, we, it's extraordinary data that we're looking at and uh, I think I'd really like to be quite clear and very reasonable about how we're approaching this. Every every mining region is different and there's not there's no one size fits all approach that can be applied either in policy or in timelines for the for the transition or transformation that everybody in the country and everybody in the world is talking about. In Isaac we mine met coal which produces steel. In the Hunter, Latrobe, Gladstone, here in Queensland, all those communities mine. They all they're all mining communities, and they produce different products. What we're seeing in Isaac, Ben, on the ground here, is a region that's growing in demand for met coal. You know, we're seeing approvals seventy five year life. We've got currently twenty eight operating coal mines. It's two hundred two new mines under construction, all seeking. Expansion and twelve others in various stages of approval. So the transition, transition and transformation timelines for us will be much longer, and they'll be very different for those, for example, of the hunter. Well, you would so think that you would think that they would, but th- the drama is that 
we've got to get these approved as well. And I say that with the deepest respect. There needs yes. to be an approval process. We, we have yes. a shortage of steel in, in this country and the imported steel that we're getting is, is horrific and the price yes. of steel. Yet we don't – we can produce it all. It needs to get ticked off. Are you concerned that these communities go by the wayside? No, I'm, I'm being genuine here and it's not scaremongering. But no. th- there has to be a commitment from this federal government and this state government that they're going to choose – to, to, they're going to choose to invest. They, they, they have to do it. That's right. There can be no doubt, and I absolutely agree with you, there can be no doubt that with the record-breaking royalties that we are seeing, that funding, proportional proportion of that funding, must fund the future of these communities and the workforce that has supported the delivery of the $100 billion, I might say. You know, there needs to be place-based plans to provide retraining, upskilling for coal workers. There needs to be a focus on family welfare, opportunities for mine rehabilitation. The plan just can't be about creating new industries, and that's all we're hearing. All we're hearing is, is discussion around closing the industry down and creating new industry to replace us. It's just so offensive then I'm lost for words. And yeah. we're looking at $100 billion versus royalties. Now, there should be genuine approach to long-term investment in these regions, long-term investment in health education, health care, education, child care, aged care, to make the acceptable standard of livability. So we've at least got a fighting chance and, and it is absolutely responsible responsibility of the, um, well, we're saying all levels of government because from a local government's perspective, we're actually outside our core core business doing all of this advocacy. We're standing up for our community and we are now absolutely insisting that the state and federal governments come together and they look at place-based planning for the future livability of these regions. Yeah, it, it's more than them coming to come together. They need to consult with you, with you and the councils. That's the big issue that I'm finding is that there's no consultation process with the people on the ground. That they're coming up with these harebrained ideas of what they think that the community needs and what looks good for the voters in the metropolitan areas, but not what is helping these communities. You guys have needs. You guys want things in these towns and it's not being selfish. It's dead set stuff that you actually need for the community and for these mining families. I mean, looking at the welfare of these families is a big thing. It's paramount. Yet there doesn't seem to be any talk about that whatsoever. No. In my time, I have to say, over time, there's there's a lot of – and this isn't just from government. This is from people in general. There's a there's a lot of assumptions and a lot of perception um, that because it's a, a mining industry or a mining community that there's a lot of wealth, and that in itself is not that's not incorrect. But we there is a lot of people out here that don't work in the coal in, or in the mining industry. We've yeah. got a we've got a um, you know people that work in the supermarket. We've got hairdressers and and the baker and, you know, hospitality, clubs and pubs, all of that where all other communities, it's an extraordinary region and community. Yeah. 
but we also need support and we can't just be classified as the people that deliver the royalties to government for everybody else to benefit. There's got to be there's got to be a fair return on investment here, and our communities can't be left wanting. And unfortunately, that is what we're seeing. It is what we're living, and now is the time. It is a perfect time for for all stakeholders to focus on place based planning to de- to deliver sustainable, livable communities and and give us a fighting chance for a future. Yeah, you're dead right. Um, how is your community? Look, we uh, sometimes I I feel like we're our own worst enemies because we've always been stoic, we've always been resilient, and we always will be because that that's the people that's what the the DNA is in the people that live in the regions. Regional people know how to look after themselves. They know, regional people know how to come together, and 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 that that's an absolute credit to everyone in the regions. But now, you know, I just think it's time, really time now, that we take a stand, and we know we can do it. But they're fair now. They're, there's an enormous projection of funding coming the government's way, and. We will stand up and we will stick together, and we. But we want to do this with government. We want to do this with community, and we want to do this with the best intent for a positive outcome. Yeah, well, I, I think you're on the right track, and I and I think the fact that you're actually having these conversations. Can I ask this? And I, and I and I ask this with all sincerity: Is there any understanding? Are they talking to you about it? Yes, yeah, there is. There is conversations. There's certainly, we've certainly um, had conversations with Queensland government, and they are working with us with one of our communities at the moment. And we've definitely been. We've got a, a lot of projects where we've got a vision around the current safety training and reskilling within the resource and energy sector, as yeah. well as for the future around university development and and the like. So we're definitely talking to um, the Queensland Government and have been for some months now. And we certainly were talking strongly to both sides of government through the federal election to where the the new government committed um, over $2 million to the Isaac Isaac Resource Excellence Hub, which will be the the visionary hub for for our future. Um, Now, that needs to continue. I'm not prepared to just accept words. I, I'm, we are really on a mission here to to ensure that we're engaged with, we're not t- talked at, about or around. We are injecting ourselves, we are stepping ourselves into the conversation because that's what needs to happen. Yep. And, and we do have an expectation of everyone, all stakeholders working together, requiring the appropriate funding and the plans for the future and the livability of this region. There is huge opportunity in the Isaac region, but we we cannot do it, albeit that we are stoic and we are resilient. It must be led by government and it must be led by solid planning. Yeah, well said. Uh, great to chat. Um, we need to catch up at some stage, and I know you're very busy, but you're doing a phenomenal job. And thank you so Thanks, much. Man. 
thank you so much for giving me some time this morning. Um, it, it's so important that we continue to get make sure that they're held to account and that this, this message doesn't go away. Just the money that they are exports have hit $110 billion this year, coal soaring to almost $400 per tonne for thermal coal. Unbelievable. Yeah. Isaac, it's, it's, yeah, it's just unbelievable. Isaac Regional Council, Mayor Ann Baker, thanks so much for being with us this morning. Thanks, Ben, and go Queensland. <laughs> I think everybody's excited for Wednesday. Appreciate your time. Yeah. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. BME, BME Sales Sales Manager Stephen Raganovich joins us this morning. Farm Fest kicking off tomorrow, 7th to the 9th, and it plays a huge role in Australian agriculture, showcasing and demonstrating big range of new products. Steve, good morning. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, Ben. Always good on the uh, eve of Farm Fest. It comes around very quickly. Yep. Uh, obviously, this is a big couple of days. 8.30 to 4.30, you're going to be on the sites, um, and there's obviously a lot going on. What will BME be showcasing? Well, again, we're showcasing our Hercules lot, um, which are very well known not only in Queensland now but right throughout Australia with uh, a majority of the large parcel companies taking them on. Um, just uh, to name name one, we just sold a, an 18 tonner to Kidman um, Reinhardt Group. And, yep. uh, the first of a few, I hope. And, uh, yeah, just, just getting our uh, product out, out there. It's been nearly 10 years now selling these Hercules loaders and um, showing our wares. And they're all, all new models. There'll be, there'll be new models on show. So uh, there's a lot of lot of anticipation there and, cattle industry and agriculture industry in general it supports us very well. Yeah, it certainly does. And obviously, um, you know, BME obviously go um, far and wide. What will you be having on your site this time, mate? Uh, well, there'll be anything from a, uh, in operating weight, a seven-tonne loader up to a 23-tonne loader. Um, and then there'll be, I've got some uh, Sunward uh, tracked skid steer loaders and excavators as well. So, you know, there's a variety of equipment there that not only suits agricultural people but in uh, construction and industry type um, firms as well. What's, so, your, uh, what's yeah, your site number, mate? What's your site number? K, K3031. Yep. It's right across from the uh, Hearns uh, silos uh, that are always on display there. Right yeah. across the road, so you've got to see that for miles. Beautiful, beautiful, and it's so big. I mean, mate, obviously you've got, you know the industry. How how are you being received at the moment? Obviously, you you're all across the state, and lots going on. But people are, you know, off the back of a great beef industry and, and some real good planting rain, and and everybody, it's buoyant, isn't it? Well, very buoyant, especially into financial year um, sales and whatever. Not that we're having any sales. It's just people are buying loaders and equipment. Not only loaders, but excavators, uh, skid steer loaders, track skid steer loaders, um, more or less over the phone. Yeah, they, they, it's just I've never I've been there 22 years working at Brisbane Mini Excavators slash Hercules loaders, and I've never seen anything like it. it which is great. It's it, it just you know, for all the gloom and doom with COVID and this and that, um, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We're always very anxious uh, to present ourselves as a long-standing firm. With uh, uh, you know fifteen plus personnel there as a backup, so that's what we we're about. Good on you, mate. And uh, BME sales, unbelievable. We appreciate your time. You'll be at Farm Fest, mate. There's a lot going on at Farm Fest, and and look, everybody's there to show them what's going on. People need to attend it seven uh, to the night. That's tomorrow until Thursday. Kicks off eight thirty every day. Looking forward to it. You'll have a few froffies while you're up there, no doubt, mate. 
I certainly will with maybe a couple of red wines to follow, uh, being uh, cooler weather, mate. Uh, yeah. Just a couple. Good on you. Uh, Enjoy yeah, it. Thanks very much. Cheers, mate. We appreciate your time. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Mark Harvey Sutton, Australian Livestock Exporters Council Chief Executive, what was it, joins us this morning. Uh, Mark, good morning. There is some concern, and rightly so. New Agricultural Minister Murray Watt has confirmed the Australian Government will ban live sheep exports by both air and sea. Now, this was a promise that the Labor government had made and a commitment they made in their election campaign. They followed through with it. This is a concerning, concerning issue straight up uh, when they've only been in government for three weeks. No, it is, Ben, uh, but it's uh, it's uh, no surprise. And, and I suppose uh, it's interesting to note that Prime Minister Albanese on Friday actually said that he doesn't envisage a phase-out happening during this term of government. Uh, and emphasising that need to work with industry and the Western Australian government, who have been very supportive of the industry. So it is concerning, and it's uh, disappointing that the minister used his first interview to uh, <laughs> reinforce that policy they took to the election. Uh, but I think there's a lot of water to go under the bridge yet. And certainly, uh, Prime Minister Albanese's comments are heartening. Did you? Are you concerned? I mean, have you had a meeting yet with the with the new agricultural minister? Uh, no, we haven't yet. We've been exchanging messages and trying to line up a time, but we haven't quite landed it yet. Uh, but that's understandable, uh, considering he's only sworn in last Wednesday. Uh, so it's going to happen soon, uh, and it'll be the first thing that we raise with him. Uh, and, and, you know, the key thing that we want to put forward is just the, the very good performance of the industry, point to why the policy is unnecessary and uh, why they need to actually have a talk to the farmers that it will affect and have a talk to the, the state governments and other sectors of the industry that will be impacted by this. Yeah, the big thing, um, the, the big issue that I have is that, that they've come out and said that, that, that the live export industry regarding sheep being exported is on the decline and they've looked at it over 20 years. Well, I mean, seriously, I mean, do they not know what has gone on in this country? I mean, people can make figures work any way they want. The bottom line is that it's part of the economy in Western Australia and and, and it is an important part of it. And now that they're, they're seeking to ban it. So what if they do ban it, where do they go? Where, where do some of these people go with their with the sale of their sheep? That's the concern because you've got to have another market. Well, I think what will happen, Ben, to be honest, is I think you'll see sheep production uh, reduced dramatically uh, and you'll see producers going to other commodities like grain or uh, because value will fall out of the bottom of the market. So this notion that you can transition the existing sheep industry to processing, uh, it, it's not right. But uh, we're not there yet, I should emphasise. <laughs> As I said, there's still a fair bit of water to go under the bridge and this, uh, this kind of... Uh, justification that it's a declining industry. Well, I mean, if you look at the beef export volumes over the last 20 years, if you look at uh, live cattle volumes, all those sort of things, they're subject to domestic supply and demand issues. So high prices, restocking, seasonal conditions, all those sort of things. So last time I checked, uh, you know, a bit of weather and needing to restock wasn't a reason to shut down an industry. So uh, we'll be making that point pretty strongly too. Mark, oh, the, the concern I have is 11 years ago, overnight, the, with, the, with the flick of a switch, they shut down the live export industry. I, I'm just concerned when they start talking this way and they can say what they want, 
But when these kind of things happen, there is always a concern. Um, there was always a concern because that they could just flick the switch. Can we get some clarification or some guarantees from the government, if it's at all possible, that that isn't their intention, that they see the value of live export, that they see the absolute 100, you know, changes that you've made, the, the absolute safety measures, the welfare issues that you guys have changed and adapted to as a positive rather than them always bowing and kowtowing to these small minority groups that speak for so little. I don't disagree at all, Ben. I suppose the the point of clarification in in 2011, there were issues that that needed to be addressed and they they were significant issues. Uh, The reason Labor has this policy comes from issues that were five years ago and have been addressed and have been fixed. So to maintain this policy, as I keep saying, it's unnecessary. Look, I I guess uh, trying to get guarantees, I'll go back to the Prime Minister's comments on Friday. I mean, the fact that he's saying that he doesn't envisage a phase-out during this term of government gives us time to move. But you're right, I get endlessly frustrated as well with this uh, kowtowing. There is no there is no justification to phase-out live sheep exports, Ben. It's as simple as that. And Labor have been very strong on cattle, saying they'll never do that again, and they're very supportive of the live cattle trade. But uh, if, if live sheep are phased-out, what sort of precedent does that set? Uh, and why why can cattle exporters be be confident in that if they do phase out live sheep? So I think they need to. Uh, you're exactly right. Clarification is needed, uh, but we, we we need to talk to them as well. And as I I'll go back to the prime minister's comments. He's, we, we, we're very pleased that he's emphasised the need to engage with industry and state government, and that's what we'll work with. Yeah. Well, I mean. What they say and what they do is two different things, and I know you can't say that, but my concern is, and, and I mean this seriously, that I just don't want to go down this path of what we've been through before and have the decimation, like yourself, of, of an industry that is so important to everybody in the agricultural sector. It underpins a lot of what we are doing and a lot of what goes on in the southeast and the southern states as well, and um, and, and it's, a, it's an important part. I just hope that the minister, uh, Murray Watt, can make some time because, you know, we've seen this all play out before. Appreciate your time doing a phenomenal job. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. Um, an important, um, an important, uh, really important thing that's going on at this moment and one that we all hope um, we can get some clarification on sooner rather than later. Uh, good on you, Ben, and thanks for keeping your listeners informed. Happy to talk anytime. Cheers, mate. Uh, appreciate your time. Uh, Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin, Monday morning, the 6th of June. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's my great pleasure to have Josie Angus joining us this morning. Josie, good morning. Thank you so much. I, I've got to start. How's the abattoir going? I, I mean, it, it's, it would be cold. You've had a phenomenal start to a season this year, but you've also been trying to navigate um, your operation with the abattoir. How's it all been? Uh, um, good morning and lovely to be here again, Ben. It's, um, yeah, no, it's, it, it's going pretty good. It's, uh, <laughs> as you said, season's amazing. Um, you know, cattle prices continue to be amazing. So that's, and, you know, beef demand keeps backing it up. So that's a, it's a great time to be, um, heading off an adventure like this and, and, um, we have some, you know, we're pulling together a team slowly. It's, uh, we're not breaking any land speed records, but, um, but, uh, the amazing part is the team that we are pulling together, um, 
they just, uh, yeah, they continue to amaze it. So uh, a lot of newbies to industry and they're, um, and they're really going really well. So, yeah. Has the staffing issue been been a big issue, Josie? I mean, we always knew that it was going to be difficult to start off with, um, but have you found it more challenging than expected? Um, I think, look, I think everybody in the country, you know, is, is feeling this at the moment. And uh, so, I, I, you know, I don't, but I don't think that we're probably um, for... I guess the amount of noise about how hard it is to get people. I don't think we're suffering as badly as you know as we we thought we might be. I mean, I think um, you know we we probably our ramp up's going a little bit slower than we had planned. Um, but you know, we we've I guess we've always had this strategy, particularly around bringing young people from you know the bush and regional areas, and and you know showing them a little more of their own supply chain. Um, you know, that's been our vision from the start and uh, and the amazing piece for us is just how quickly they've picked up these skills and how well they're doing with it. So I think, you know, we're producing a product out the back end of this already that, um, you know, that we just get comments from, you know, really experienced sort of butchers and wholesalers that, you know, wow, this product looks amazing. And for a brand new team, uh, learning brand new skills, that's um, that's pretty amazing. I think uh, they, you know, they headed down to the collegiate meat judging and cleaned up, uh, you know, champion in, industry team. And uh, it just, um, it is just, yeah, really amazing what they're achieving. And that, that's the exciting part. How, how does it eat? <laughs> really good. <laughs> it does well, and um, I mean, to tell you the truth, I haven't eaten many of mine out of here yet. We still, um, most of our cattle are actually still making the long journey down to casinos so that we can keep our export clients happy. But we've got some fantastic domestic suppliers who have just really, um, you know, they ring us every week and say, "Do you want more yet?" And uh, so it is. Um, it's it's really exciting and uh, yeah and and you know and that product is is eating you know really well and I think there's so many uh, the sum of little feet I think in terms of you know our design has always been about how do we get a product at the end that tastes as best as it possibly can and and uh, I think yeah it's good to see that happen. Yeah, the the big thing is that I I just think this is a phenomenal phenomenal venture that you guys uh, are embracing, and it's something that it's a, of a game changer. The election result, I'd love your thoughts. Um, obviously, we need to move forward now, but there was some clear messaging um, that it, it, you know the regionals were very supportive of the national party and, and and obviously the coalition, but there was clearly in the southeast and and through the cities there, there was a massive shift in in where the power was and and we have we should be at all of us concerned where this is heading i think um yeah uh, it's hard i mean i think you know it's lies and dem statistics you know in terms of how you um divvy up the numbers and who voted for who i think um you know it is really interesting how it all falls isn't it in terms of you know particularly primary vote and we look across it um you know, it is really. I don't believe that there's an overriding, you know, sort of um, signal in one way or another. And I wouldn't like the job of the analyst at the back end of any political party, um, you know, to look back and say, you know, we did really well here. I think 
Um, you know, I, I think um, the the Greens in the Senate is obviously a concern, you know, to our industry. And um, I think, um, you know, there was a um, an interview that I watched of uh, the Greens leader and um, and her agenda for agriculture, and it was. Um, I thought it was a pretty scary interview. <laughs> yeah, bloody um, So um, I think it is, um, yeah, look, it, it, it's going to be tough. We obviously, I think, uh, you know, adapt and overcome is always, uh, always, always the motto out here. So I guess, you know, we've all just got to sort of buckle down and, um, and you know, uh, continue to sort of do things, I guess. Um, you know, we live in a, in a, in a crazy world right now and, and um you know, food security is becoming really, uh, you know, a, a, a high ticket um, item in so many countries, and um, and so uh, you know, I, I, I really want to see what our new government's going to do with that because I think uh, you know it is um, it's an opportunity, it's a threat for Australia, and uh, and uh, yeah, I think we've got to address it and and, and understand where that's going to take it. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing. Um, the challenges now are we've got to have these towns supported. Josie, you, you've lived regionally your whole life. I've never ever, and I know this is not just a federal issue, this is a state issue, but I've never seen it like it is in the sense that we just don't get the support we need uh, for our regions. Um, if we are going to survive, we can't just keep on taking. I, I spoke earlier with Ann Baker and she just said that the, the take – and not return, it's getting, you know, wider and wider. We have to close that gap. Oh, 100%, whether it's roads, whether it's health, whether it's, um, you know, we're seeing, uh, yeah, uh, you know, we're seeing massive amounts of of dollars being drawn from the region. Um, That's only going to increase in the next couple of years. And it is, you know, it is beholden for them to work out how, how they continue to bring that investment back, but not only just bring that investment back, but, continue to allow people, um, you know, to invest. You know, there has to be, I know that, you know, Labor in our region put forward, you know, a very strong argument that they were the party for, you know, regional manufacturing. Well, you know, I hope that that's, um, I hope that is the case and I hope that, um, you know, that, that they continue to allow people you know, to do the kind of development that we've done and um, and allow that to progress. I know it's, you know, it, it, it's tough and it's increasingly tough. I've, you know, just been through my fifth audit in two weeks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, is, uh, it is a lot of, you know, it is a lot of work and a lot of, um, you know, particularly for small companies to be able to do this kind of thing. But, um, but you know, uh, it is. It is really important that we continue to see not only government investment return, but the gates open to allow private investment and particularly um, private investment from regional stakeholders in these areas. Yeah, I um, I think that, that we just need to have that conversation. We need to keep them honest. Hey, great to chat. Thanks so much for being with us this morning, Josie. We really appreciate your time. Thanks very much. Have a great day. Good on you. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Well, that's it from us here this morning in rural Queensland today. I hope you've enjoyed the show for Monday, the 6th of June. Ray Hadley joins you next. I'll be back tomorrow from 9. Stay safe. And remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Queensland. Goodbye.